This is Maranatha Remnant Ministries. We just got finished with worship by Kim Walker. I don't have much. And what I loved about that song is she's saying, like, I don't have much to give you, Lord, but I can give you this life that you've given me, that I have this heart that beats for you. And how she was saying how she is a, a mother, you know, of, and watching kids and doing laundry and doing everyday house chores and, and watching them that. Lord, you're with me when I'm washing dishes. You're with me when I'm doing my task. You're with me. But he is, though. He's always there. And if we just recognize that he's always there, it's so easy to turn to him than thinking he's so far away. Do you know what I mean? So um, with that being said, before we hop in, because we have a guest speaker today, um, does anyone have any praise reports, any testimonies, anything they would like to share? Go for Thank it. Um. So I don't know if you guys know, my mother-in-law went to be with the Lord about a month ago. And we picked up her, you know, her little ashes on Monday. And my husband was having a really, really hard time. And I prayed. I prayed to Father. I said, I said, the Holy Spirit, if, if it brings him comfort, can he dream about his mom? And he told me last night, he goes, the last couple of days, I've been dreaming about my mom. And I, was, awesome. I just gave Holy Spirit glory. That's awesome. And he said, that, um, he said that one of the dreams was she was wearing a white suit and uh, like a, a doctor, what's it called? That heart thing? Doctor's gown? Oh, stethoscope. So, yeah, and it's so funny because I remember her saying she wanted to be a doctor, but because, you know, she got married so young. At 15, she couldn't finish school, but when she was 60, she got her medical assistant, um, you know, certification, and she just loved that. But I just, we just, that just really blessed him, and it really blessed us. And and I, I hear things, I guess, you know, people put scriptures, but I don't know what the scriptures are on hand, but they say, like, our mm -hmm. life is a continuation, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, we're going to live up there in heaven. And our interests here and our gifts he gave us will continue there. And I thought that was interesting. And, and that really, really blessed me. Um, and then one more thing. He, my husband had an interview and he's a truck driver. And he always, he's been getting off about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night. And he had an interview today like at 3-ish. And he's like, you're not going to believe it. He said, I got all green lights. He was done like at 2.30. He said, wow. that never happens. And he's like, did you pray for me? I was like, yeah, but I just love that. Like Christian said, like, Father cares so much for us, even the little things, you know. He does. He just loves us so much, and I just wanted to give him glory. Thank you for sharing. Does anybody else have anything to share? Anything they would like to add or that God has done for them the past week? Oh, I got a testimony. I have a, I have a bunch to say, but... Today was my last day at my job, and I've been there for eight years, and I was able to pray for like seven people on the job, and it was just amazing, all the different encounters that God gave me throughout today, but, um, you know, seeing my boss's leg grow out was pretty, pretty awesome. Wow. Um, just amazing stuff, you know, this woman that had hearing aids and praying that, you know, God restores her, 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 her ears to her, you know what I mean, to, to hear but um, the thing is, is that uh, what really touched me is that this man named Aaron that I've known for eight years, he said, man, he's like, who you are now and who you were when I met you, it's night and day. Wow. And I told him, he, and I told him in that response, I said, God makes all things new. Yeah. Like that, that's a huge testimony that someone that was a knucklehead and, and did all kinds of yeah. wrong things that I should have probably got fired a long time ago illegally doing stuff there god turned it around and god truly um helped me to witness to so many people mm -hmm. to like just hundreds of people there at my job and hundreds of healings that i've seen and i've truly had an encounter with god at my job not even at church at my job so wherever you're at where you feel like you can't like oh you know i don't go to church i don't do this god will meet you where you're at like what she said and um if you call upon him and you surrender um, you know, I prayed for this man last Saturday. He has stage four cancer. His, he's like, his body's made out of 70% metal. Um, he's a Vietnam veteran, 75 years old. Uh, his name is Glenn and 
a buddy at my church named Marvin. He set it up where I could go and see him. And you guys probably heard it, right? What happened, that testimony from the men's Bible study on Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. So just to make a long story short, I preached the gospel to him. I was able to pray for him. And he said, when I laid my hands on his head, he felt a bolt of electricity hit the back of his neck all the way down to his spine. And then I started praying for his feet that were so black and purple neuropathy. Was, it was so tight. You could just pop with the needle and just, it would just ooze out. Flaky skin, like really repulsive stuff. And I really had to even say out loud, I need to walk by faith, not by sight. Because it looked like it was bad. That's probably one of the worst cases that I prayed for somebody. But man, I anointed his head and his feet and his hands with oil. And he said when I started praying for his feet... He said, I haven't felt this tingling sensation in 20 years. Mm. 20 years. The, he had a collarbone that was sticking out about an inch off. So you could see it like this on a shirt. We prayed and went fully down. Oh. Completely went back into place. The Lord held, uh, healed his elbow. And we prayed for his room. It was so demonic. It was so dark and it uplifted. And he said, I hadn't had a, a night's rest in years. And he's like, I, was, I haven't been able to stand up straight my shoulders back in years so on top of that his kids were like dismissive of me they're like who's this guy who does he think he is coming in our house ended up getting words of knowledge for them they both get radically touched they rolled their eyes at me at first now they're getting prayer for me and god totally just went in and just flipped that whole house upside down there's one more thing before i i pass it off um I didn't want to drive over there. It was like 25 miles on a Saturday. I just, but the thing is, if you're faithful and you're obedient with the little, God will trust you with much. But then the obedience brings God's power. You know what I mean? It brings his anointing upon you. And uh, so I go, to, I go to Walmart and I'm picking up some shotgun shells. And um, yeah, right. I'm always doing some hunting stuff or whatever, sporting stuff. But anyways, I go there and I see this Native American man. And he's behind me, and he looks pretty rough, like, you know, kind of like little beat-up scars and tattoos, you know. And uh, the Lord was telling me, he's like, hey, he's got a problem with his back. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we start talking, just whatever. He's just saying some crazy stuff about the res and how people are the walking dead there, and people are all junkied out and trying to steal his generator and... He's having to fight people and just crazy stuff. But anyways, the thing is, um, I said, hey, man, I feel like there's a problem with your back. Can I pray for it? And he said, how did you know that? He's like, how, how did you know? And he told me that he got in a scuffle and someone hit him with a, a club, with a golf club. And it's all swollen on his hip all the way up to his back, his lower back. So I'm telling him, I said, hey, dude, it's just Jesus. Like, it's, I, I told my testimony, he's like, and he listened, you know, with all the, the drugs and selling drugs and doing all this other stuff, fighting people, all that, angry, right? And um, I told him that God truly set me free. And uh, he let me pray for him. And he was just like, whoa, dude, don't stop what you're doing. But I knew that God wanted me to do more for him. So the Lord's like, I want you to pull out money and bless him. Soon to find out, he tells me that he lost his job two days ago. And he's with his girl and he's talking to me. And I just start sharing the word with him. See, this is the thing. If we can get their attention and be a blessing to them, are, they are so open ears to hear what you have to say. You know what I mean? They know that you're not trying to shove something down their throat. They really are thinking, wow, this person genuinely cares for me. He's, he's prayed for me. I got healed. Now he's financially blessing me. And I take him to my car because I have a bunch of Bibles in the back. So I hook him up with a Bible for him and his girl. And I told him, I said, where's your, where's your faith at? Where are you at with Jesus? And he says, he's like, I, I kind of feel like I'm in that place where you are, but I don't know how to get to him. And I said, let me show you how to. And I started telling him about the kingdom and about being born again. He gives his life to Jesus right there in the parking lot. And he says, you're an angel. I said, no, man, I'm a son. I told him straight up, I'm not an angel in disguise, I'm a son. And he truly said, I never had anyone do this. I never had an encounter with God like I had today. And I prophesied over him 
that he would be a spokesman. He would be an evangelist to the Res Nation. That he would speak to the tribes of the Apache and the Navajo. And God's really pouring out his spirit upon those Native Americans to come and, and just do a mighty work in America. I truly believe that. And even Billy Graham prophesied that same thing. So it's going to come to pass. And that's all I want to share. His name was Manny. And hopefully I see him again. He has my number. But um, you just don't know. I mean, just at Walmart. Just at Walmart. You know? So that's all I have to share. But if anybody else has anything, you guys. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to pray real quick. And we can come in agreement. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful time. We thank you for this fellowship. We thank you that your grace is upon us today. And we just uplift our sister in Christ, Miranda. That, Lord God, you would give her utterance today, Father. That, Lord God, you filled her with your spirit. And that it says the spirit of our Father will speak through her mouth today to us. Lord God, that you would give her the boldness, the courage. This is the righteous are as bold as lions. So, Lord God, I just ask you, Lord God, that you give her peace, that you give her joy, you give her wisdom, understanding, that she would preach the gospel to the nations, that she would preach the gospel to the community, but also to us right now as we speak, Lord. So, Lord God, I would say that you would anoint her right now. Lord God, that you would give her complete, complete soundness of mind right now. I command every attack from the enemy that's trying to whisper in her ear, get out in Jesus' name. You cannot manipulate her. You cannot tell her otherwise. She belongs to Jesus. So thank you, Lord God, for this, this wonderful time that we get to spend. I ask, Lord God, that every ear would be open today. Every heart would be ready to receive. Every spiritual eyes would be enlightened and revealed to you and revealed to us what you want us to hear today. Father, I cancel any type of confusion, any type of arguments, any type of discrepancies. Lord God, that it would cease right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, have your way. Do what you do best, counselor, helper, advocate, and comforter. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Lord God, thank you so much. I am so happy that we get to be in this place where we get to just be in God's presence and just hear his word. But um, I will pass it to our guest, Miranda Dawson. So give her a big round of applause. Thank you. All right. You have the floor, so it's all you. All right. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Can you guys hear? Okay. Well, thank you, Christian. Thank you, Maggie. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. And um, I love uh, Christian's teaching and what he's doing here. And so I'm just really happy to be partnering with you guys. So thanks for having me. Um, It's so... I shouldn't say funny, but it's so awesome the way God sets things up and the way he works. Um, Two weeks ago, Christian was uh, telling the story of how he got off his fast and um, how the Lord told him to change the name of of his ministry to include the word remnant, I believe, was the story. Uh, And he, you know, started to explain what that meant. And uh, then the, and and he used Abraham as as an example. And then he um, just last week continued on with the Abraham thread, you know, of, of, of being remnant, being set apart, and, you know, really ministering to uh, the body of Christ, those that are staying in there, that are, you know, going after God, and they're going to keep going, you know, no matter what, they never give up, and they always fight. And so that vision is so great, and, and I love the example of Abraham, and that's, I, I'm going to talk about him tonight too. And I just want to offer a different angle of something that the Lord showed me regarding Abraham. So, um, Abraham being kind of like that first remnant after the flood, uh, that God used to, you know, bring forth the Messiah on the earth. And, um, you know, I always wonder, you read the story of Abraham and how God called him out of his country, out of his culture, uh, leaving his father, but I always wondered, you know, what was what was it like in his day? What was what does that mean? You know, come out of the culture. What was the culture like? What was his father like? What was his family like? And so I'm going to talk a lot about uh, Abraham, but I'm going to kind of I need to build a scenario for you guys just to really, you know, 
grasp what exactly Abraham was born into and what he came out of and the significance of the story in, a, in, in that direction. So I'm going to be using a lot of, you know, historical facts, um, you know, some ancient texts and resources that kind of go along with the Bible to add some historical context to the story. So I know everybody will be blessed by it. So, um, so of course, God used Noah, right? Um, after the flood, he used uh, Noah, but everything that was done in the land previously, you know, was, was wiped away. Um, so God started, you know, new civilizations with Noah, and that's how Abraham, you know, came to be. So Abraham had a big part to play, like I stated, um, in the beginning remnant. So um, the Bible says that God chose Noah and his family because they were perfect in his and their generations. So the word generations there means genetics. So um, this is a whole other teaching, and I won't get off on it, but I need to make the point that, you know, um, Satan... Uh, you know, the word talks about Satan and his fallen angels um, influenced mankind to sin and, you know, um, a cause rebellion, extreme rebellion to God and provoke the Lord with what they were teaching, you know, mankind to do. And so that's where we get a lot of the rebellion and lawlessness and things like that that we deal with today. Um, and so it was so bad that it caused this hibernization um, you know, between animals and humans and, you know, things like that. And again, that's a whole other teaching, but I still have to make the point that Noah's family was the only family on the earth, according to scripture, um, that did not tamper in with this genetic mutation that Satan was doing on the earth. So he chose Noah, wiped away, you know, all of the destruction and the flood, and then began to build a new civilization with, with Noah. Um, and the purpose of that was so he could bring, you know, forth the Messiah to buy back his family. Mm. Um, so after the flood, Noah cursed one of his sons, which was the line of Ham. And out of the line of Ham came a man named Cush. And the Bible says that Cush begot a son named Nimrod. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading out of Genesis 10, 8 through 9. It says, and Cush begot Nimrod. And he began to be the first mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And I'm going to continue on. Um, a disclaimer, too, is I, I don't know how to pronounce some of these cities and some of these words. So just kind of bear with me if I mispronounce things. Um, it goes on to say that the first centers of his kingdom, meaning Nimrod's kingdom, were Babylon, uh, Europe, and two others, two other cities in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh and some other cities. And so he was a builder of cities. He um, had a big kingdom. He was a builder of temples. And so the Bible says that he began to be the first mighty one on the earth. Mm -hmm. And so that word mighty there implies, again, something other than human, if you, if you, um, you know, dissect that word. So somehow that genetic flaw that happened before the flood got on the ark somehow and popped itself up after the flood. Um, and so I don't have, I, I, there's extensive research on how that happened, and I'm not going to you know, talk about that here, but I just wanted to make that point that, you know, scripture points that out. Um, so nonetheless, Nimrod and his father Cush were the ones who tried to build the tower um, of Babel. So in the Bible, it talks about how that tower would have been possible because everybody on the earth was in unity, and um, he had to go down and confuse everybody's languages to stop the building of the tower. Right. So if you go on in Genesis 11, 1 through 4, um, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks. And, um, and then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to the city and the tower, which the children of men had built. 
And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is the only be- and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible to them. So come, let us go down, confuse their language, so they may not understand each other's speech. So the Lord dispersed them <clears throat> from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused their languages. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. So a little side note is um, this is where different languages come from. So different cultures, different languages, this is where it came from. Their languages were dispersed, and so people were forced to go and, you know, be and collect with others that sounded like them, um, you know, etc. And so that's kind of where these different languages, I'm sure it's progressed, you know, since then, but that was the root of, you know, different languages, different cultures, things like that, because people were dispersed. Another interesting point is... Um, when they're talking about why they're building a city and building a tower, they mention, lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the earth. So some scholars, some Jewish scholars, people who study Torah, they have come to the conclusion or, um, you know, have made assumptions that they they knew of what happened with the flood, you know, because of uh, Noah and his, and his children and his descendants. And they didn't want that to happen again since this rebellion had sprung up again. And so they were doing this to try to protect themselves from God in case he flooded the earth again. That's just an assumption. But I just thought that that was interesting to to throw out there. Um, So again, I'm trying to add context to this story to to really, you know, build up um, Abraham and the ancient civilizations that were going on. So the point that I want to make is that Nimrod and Cush were the ones that um, were building the Tower of Babel um, and that were extreme rebellion to God, just like in the days prior to the flood. So Nimrod and Cush were the leaders of the day, and after the uh, tower was destroyed, um, there was a kingdom called Babylon that was established by Nimrod. Um, He was the first ruler of that kingdom, and this is important because uh, Babylon is talked again about in, Re- in Revelation that it will be resurrected, and some believe that we're still living in some sort of, you know, Babylon today. Um, Babylon at the time consisted of several different ancient civilizations, which is basically the root and start of all mankind after the flood. So, if you're a historian, you can't study anything about civilization prior to your know, pre-flood. You can only go back to after the flood because everything was wiped away. Mm. So historians mm. love looking at like Ur the Chaldees. They love uh, you know learning about the ancient Egyptians, these ancient civilizations, about how they did things. Um, you know, you know for history. Um, so um, now I'm going to read from um, Genesis 11:27 to 31. And this is about Abram's father. So we're getting into Abraham now. So this is an account of Terah's family. So Terah uh, was the father of Abram and Nohar and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in the Ur of the Chaldees um, in the land of his birth. Terah then took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of Abram, um, and together they set off from Ur the Chaldees to go to Canaan. But when they came to a place called Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years and then he died. Um, so historically, you can actually Google, and this is what I did, you know, well, who were Ur the Chaldees? Where is that at? You know, who, who are, where's the land of Shinar? You know, all these different words that are coming up in scripture. So you can, you know, historically look at some of these ancient civilizations and they find their unique belief systems. So these people had a unique belief system, they called it, uh, which includes moon worship, sun worship, worship of the stars and constellations, worshiping different idols, um, magic, magical um, rituals, alchemy, um, mysticism, all of these ancient wisdom, enlightenment teachings are all of these, are, it's where, these, where this came from. So these are the same kind of practices that was taught before the flood and caused great rebellion to, you know, and provoke the Lord. 
and was wiped away, but those disembodied spirits, you know, still um, invoked that rebellion again afterwards. And so this was their this was their lifestyle. So you could say that Nimrod, Babylon, and everything that was going on in these ancient civilizations is the root of occultism, witchcraft, sorcery, everything that the word tells us that God hates. And he hates it because it takes people away from him. Because it deceives people thinking that you're God and you can be God without the one true God. Right. Um, so anyway, Nimrod and Cush resurrected these belief systems. So you could say that they had a one world government. They had a one world religion. And so if you were to put on your thinking caps, kind of like with <laughs> that I did, um, if you understand what's going on with Nimrod and what's going on with these first civilizations, it can really help interpret the times and interpret where we're living today. You know, you hear words and phrases like one world religion and one world government. It's no longer conspiracy. You hear people say it all the time, right. you know, from politicians and leaders and, and things of that nature. And where does that come from? Where does that desire come from to, to do these things, to resurrect these things? And it comes from, from Nimrod and Cush and what was going on in this time. Can I add something so, to that? Yes. Yeah, so, Please. like, I, I've done some research, too, like, on that type of stuff, and I always heard, like, the Chaldeans were always, like, demonic. Like, they mm -hmm. always had, like, even in the scriptures, even, like, Old Testament, they would refer as Chaldeans as being, like, demons. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And because, you know, they fell into, you know, mysticism and magic and all this other stuff, mm -hmm. um, it, it totally rebirthed this, this type of... Um, almost even new age stuff that's happening now, you know what I mean? And all types of other stuff that's happening now because uh, it all rooted from like Babylon, from like King Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and Nimrod and who was the other one that was like the guy in the, in the 300, I forgot his name. Uh, oh, Alexander? No, 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 no. Xerxes. Oh. Xerxes, that Xerxes, so that's, all those people did all that worship. It was all idol worship. It was all demonic worship. They would have to like sacrifice their babies mm -hmm. to Moloch. Like I mean, all that stuff. So I was just putting my two cents in there because I, I've actually done research on that. It's crazy, super crazy. Yeah, and that's that's you know, and I hope that's coming across. That's the point I'm trying to make. You know, trying to build is it. You know, and maybe I'm putting it more nicely. But yes, it was extreme rebellion. Um, you know all of these all of these things that are going on today that's that's where it all comes from and so it's just extremely fascinating to you know under you know you these things pop up and you think oh it's new you know the new age you know i've never heard of that before you know but if you really get in there you read you know some of these religions even the religions that we don't think of occultists um but if you really read their what they believe it sounds like the ancient mystery schools it sounds like it all comes from Know, these kinds of these kinds of teachings um, so in addition the Ur the Chaldees um, you know these ancient civilizations uh, they believed to, that Nimrod was also a god so not only were they doing all these things Nimrod and Cush were encouraging all of these things but they were also looked at by the people as you know kings and leaders mighty warriors mighty hunters um, and they also were looked at as God gods themselves or Nimrod was at least because um, he was the first mighty one. So again, you know, because of that hybridization that that was happening there, um, you know, these superhuman abilities or these you know things that maybe have going on, he was looked at as a god. So was his mother, and then his father, of course, Cush. And we could do a whole other you know teaching on how uh, the the Egyptians, the Greeks. You know, all these different cultures, they worship the same, the same God. You know, like Nimrod is Osiris in Egypt. He's Apollo in Greek. And it's, it's funny, well, not funny, but if you look at like um, Revelation and some of these passages in the New Testament about the Antichrist, they all refer to the coming Apollo. Mm -hmm. And so it's this Antichrist spirit that got into Nimrod. It's, it's, it's Nimrod, it's Antichrist, it's the same person. So again, if you understand what was happening with Nimrod, um, if anybody refers to resurrecting Apollo or Cyrus or the one eye, you see the one eye on the back of our dollar bill, you know, every, that's, that is all 
from Nimrod. So, so I, it's, I have a question with that. So I know what you're referring to, like Genesis chapter 6, right? With the, the fallen angels um, have intercourse with mankind, right? With women and they birth that type of Nephilim type deal, right? But that was before the flood, right? That was before yeah. the flood. And then after that got washed away, you're saying that those still those demonic spirits were still infiltrating <clears throat> and causing this superhuman like you're talking about. What, like, is that what you're talking about? Like, like, didn't you say? Yeah, so the word tells us that the fallen angels, the actual angels that left their abode are chained. So, you know, people sometimes mistakenly refer to demons as fallen angels, but they're not. They're angels are chained. They're, they're, you know, Peter talks about them being the, the ones that left their abode that followed Satan are chained. So the demons are the Nephilim, the, the disembodied spirits from the flood. And you got to remember there were millions of people on the earth that were populating the earth. And Noah was the only line that was perfect in his genetics. So when everything was wiped away, the, the bodies may have wiped away, but the spirits remained of these people. And so that's the theory of what the demons are. And so, you know, Jesus and people in the New Testament would call them unclean spirits. In the Old Testament, they actually had names like the Canaanites, the, you know, all of the Ite family, you know, the cursed line of Ham, um, mm. you know, the different gods that 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 were named, you know, in the Old Testament, Baal, Moloch, they, you know, they were actually named. And then, you know, when Jesus came, they were just called unclean spirits. So that's, you know, how it's been interpreted, you know, by scholars and people who have studied that. Does that kind of answer your question a little bit? Or? Yeah, yeah, that, that does. It clears it up because I just want to just make sure on the, on the viewer's side that doesn't know anything about it. And we kind of build that foundation so they kind of have a better understanding, you know? Yeah, and I didn't want to, like, get off on that because it was a whole other thing. But right. I did feel it was important to at least mention it because it's the, it, um, it explains why Nimrod was the way that he was. And right. why he was such a fierce, you know, because he was from the curse line of Ham. He shouldn't have even have been as powerful as he was. You know, it should have been um, uh, the 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 godly line of Shem, right. you know, from Noah. Um, but because of, you know, this rebellion and what was going on, he became, he was the authoritarian rule of that day that had that one world religion and one world government. Um, so I needed to at least put it in there to, to grasp, you know, why that happened with Nimrod. Um, so I hope that it's flowing and, and, and making sense there. But again, you know, the, the people of the day, considered Nimrod to be a god and that's you know confirmed through you know a lot of uh history and hieroglyphs and you know things of that nature um so again it, scripture mentions that all of this happened in the land of Shinar which most scholars um and I'm not I may not be saying that right but most scholars consider it to be the land of Sumer which if you look at the map Sumer is today's modern day Iraq so, you know, if you look at that area, um, they say that that's now modern-day Iraq. So if you can imagine, you know, just the Middle Eastern map, most of that territory is what we're talking about. Um, and if this is true, it can be confirmed through a lot of the Middle Eastern flags that you see. Uh, so, you know, for example, the Syrian flag, the Pakistani flag, the Turkey flag, they all have that crescent moon on their flag with stars. And, you know, so if that's their roots, that's their culture, it shows up even today in some of their flags and some of the stuff that they have in their, their culture today. Hmm. So it's interesting just how, you know, we're talking about something that's so long ago and it still holds its roots in that, you know, particular area. Um, furthermore, if you look at occultists, you know, today, you, no matter what kind of occult religion, they always use the, the moons and the stars and the suns and, you know, all of that paraphernalia to to um, describe, you know, where they stand or what they believe. So I just think it's interesting how that's all kind of stayed a common theme, you know, threading throughout history. I have a question. Um, I have a question. Yes. So can you explain a little bit about 
I don't know much about it, how, like, they say, like, as Christians, we have to be careful, like, reading astrology. Do you, yeah, do you know, that. is that why? Is Why is that? Same? Um, yes. Um, I, I was going to get into that a little bit. Okay, um, perfect. Bit. Then I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so th- I said all of that to say this. So, Tara, Abram's father, was a descendant of Shem. But he was also an extreme rebellion, and he chose to follow Nimrod. And he worked his way up and became one of Nimrod's most trusted servants. Mm. Um, so Terah is Abram's uh, dad. So in addition to what the Bible says about Abram, there's ancient texts that we can turn to to look at Terah and his relationship with Nimrod. Um, that that kind of, again, adds clarity to what kind of culture Abraham was, was born in. So the ancient, I'm going to read uh, from a text called the Book of Jubilees, and it's not inspired canon. You can just look at it as like a historical text. Um, but the Ethiopian Jews um, refer um, to this text as like the baby Genesis because it goes through every story in Genesis. And it almost says word for word, but it adds, you know, little phrases here and, and we'll, we'll – uh, will expand on certain things that were in the Bible. And so I just wanted to read a couple passages, um, you know, just to kind of add some context and clarity that I thought was interesting to the story. Um, so it says of Abraham that as a young child, he began to understand the errors of the earth and all that went astray after graven images and after uncleanliness and his father and all his father's writings Um, he separated himself from his father that he might not worship the idols with him. He began to pray to the real creator of all things that he might save him from the errors of the children of men and that his portion should not fall into the error after uncleanliness and vileness. Abram um, uh, went to his father and said, went to his father Terah and said, Father, and Terah said, Behold, I am here, my son. And he said, what help and profit have we from these idols which we worship, which you bow yourself to? For there is no spirit in them. They are dumb forms and misleading of the hearts. We should worship not. We should worship the God of heaven, who causes the rain and the dew to descend on the earth, and does everything upon the earth, and has created everything by his word. And all life is from before his face. Why do you worship things that have no spirit in them? For they are work of man's hands and your shoulders, and you have no help from them. And they are a great cause of shame to those who make them, and misleading of the heart to those who uh, worship, and we should worship them not. His father Terah replied to him and said, I know it, my son, but what shall I do with the people who have made me to serve before them? And if I tell them the truth, they will kill me. For their soul cleaves to worship them and honor them. So you keep silent too, my son, lest they kill you too. Mm. So he's saying, you're right. I know, but we don't care because we have so much power and so much control. And this is what the people want. Mm. So um, out of anger, Abram burns down one of the um, houses of the idols. And people wake up in the middle of the night, um, including Haran, which was one of Terah's sons, one of Abram's brothers. And he tries to save the gods from a burning, from the burning fire. And he died there, and it says, in Ur of the Chaldees, before Terah, his father. And so Terah went forth from Ur of the Chaldees, he and his sons, go into the land of Lebanon and into the land of Canaan. Uh, but he stopped in Haran and dwelt there. And that's exactly, that's confirmed, that's exactly what I just read, you know, in, in Scripture. So, um... Abraham says some prayers. He keeps talking to the God, talking to the one true God, and asks him, you know, should I return to Earth, the Chaldees? Where should I go? And then that's when God said, you know, get up from thy country, get up from thy kindred, and from thy house, and from your father, and go to a land that I will show you, mm-hmm. and I will make you a great nation. And that's when God starts making covenants with Abraham. So, again, 
Abraham was born a moon worshiper. He worshiped the sun. He worshiped the stars. He was steeped in this witchcraft. And so this was his environment. He wasn't just born into this environment. His father was the right-hand man of this hybrid, rebellious, godlike figure that had the one world religion and one world government. And so to me, that just really spoke to me and hit me of how powerful that was. And if you think about it, Abraham, if he was in this area of Iraq, God took technically an Iraqi and made him Hebrew, made him, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, made him Israel. And so if you think about it, the two still fight each other today. So Satan had this whole plan. He had this whole thing. God plucked a man willing to reject it out of it and then created himself another nation and for for the sense of being pure and holy and so he could bring about the coming Messiah. And, you know, so people, you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, a lot of the promises and things like that were first for Jewish, you know, and then it was, you know, expanded out to Gentile. But when I read and grasp the story, I think, well, it was always for everybody, but God needed somebody to, to call it to himself. He needed someone to be separate. He needed someone to obey him so he could do his will and his plan on the earth so it could bring about, you know, his will and his plan for, to buy back his family. So it was always about all of us, but, but it started with someone who rejected the culture and, and the, the, the things of the day that were going on. So I hope everybody's, you know, grasping just how pretty amazing, you know, that is. So, Can I add on top you know, of that? Yes, please. Um, so I talked to Pastor David about this, and he was telling me that right in that scripture where God calls Abraham out of that place, right? Where is that in Genesis? What, what was, like, what chapter is that? It's uh, chapter 12, the beginning of chapter 12. Genesis okay, beginning 12. of chapter 12. I guess in that same chapter or the chapter before, God calls Abraham's dad. But mm. Abraham's father rejects it. Mm. So God uses Abraham, the son, and the son says, yes, I'll do it. And you take me where you want to bless me. So really, God was trying to talk to Abraham's father, but his father rejected it. Probably because he had power, he had all this uh, dominion, he had all this gain. And Abraham's like, no, I'm going to serve the one true living God. So, yeah. do you have anything to add? Yeah. yeah. Um, the fighting between uh, the Jewish people and um, Arabs. Islam. Yeah, Arabs. Actually, Islam. Oh, Islam. Yeah. Uh, is uh, prophesied in uh, Genesis 16 mm. um, with the birth of Ishmael. Yep. So uh, it was, you know, he will be a donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. Everyone will be against him. He will live in hostility towards his brothers. Mm-hmm. And in uh, Muslim in the Quran, right. it actually says that Ishmael received the blessing. Really? Whereas in mm. the Torah and the Bible, it says that Isaac received the blessing. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Wow. Because wow. you know what I also because. Ishmael and Isaac. So Isaac is obviously a Hebrew. He's a Jew. And Ishmael is also half Jew, mm-hmm. also half Egyptian, because Abraham went into Hagar. Right. But that's what created the Arab nation that's been fighting thousands of years against and, Israel. And Jews. Yeah, the next yeah. one, he's cast in the south to Arabia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where the Arab people come from. Yeah. And then also, uh, the Jewish people are fighting... The Philistites, mm-hmm. and now Israel is in conflict with Palestine. Yep, and it's the same people you know, for us. Yeah, that's, yeah. Crazy. that's crazy. See that? It's like it's so. Just... It's from Ishmael and Isaac, right? All right. that. Right. Well, Miranda's well, gonna tell us what it is. <laughs> well, I do know that the original borders of Israel too is a lot bigger than what it is now. You know, mm-hmm. so so there's always talk about, you know, they have too much land or they need to share or give this away mm-hmm. or give that away. 
And it's so small and it's so chipped away. You know, the Bible gives the original coordinates of how huge and how big it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if anything, you know, so it's all spiritual, right? You know, because now you can get into like politics and things like that, but it's not that. It's it's a spiritual battle that's good. I mean, this is the most, you know, sought after, controversial fighting of territory that has been going on, you know, since, like you just said, Genesis 16. Um, so, you know, that's been going on. So this was all the setup for that. Okay. And, you know, so that's what I was hoping to really create with what I was saying is just this foundation of everything going on today, you know, stems back from there. And, you know, so, you know, again, to reiterate the one world government, the, the one world religion, the fighting between nations, um, it all happened because, you know, God plucked somebody out and, you know, created a nation out of him. And now those nations, you know, fight each other, but they're actually one. They come from the same you know, line or saying people and, you know, the fact, you know, they, but they like to, you know, hark on each other's differences and all this kind of stuff, but they're, you know, traditionally, you know, from the same, you know, kind of people. So I just thought that that was interesting, um, you know, and how, how we could take this message and, you know, what would God be saying to us, you know, from this? And I think that he would be saying, you know, resist, resist Babylon, resist, um, you know, the being culturally relevant, you know, resist these false religions, resist this, you know, uh, resist this mixture that's going on. And this leads into, you know, Maggie's question of astrology. Think about how, what we talked about, you know, and we could go on on tangents on different things that I talked about, but just the, the general idea, the general story how much of these things are a part of our everyday lives. You know, for example, astrology. You know, what's your moon sign? What's your star sign? What's your sun sign? You know, what is it? You know, it's your month. You're this. Or this is your month. And this is your personality. Well, if you're this, then, you know, this is who you should be attracted to. This is who you should marry. And, you know, we, we read these things because it's it's just so it's just so prevalent. And, you know, there's, there's some truth to, you know, um, you know, the time and seasons that you were born in and things like that. But people have hung on, you know, hung on to these things to really define them and define who they are, you know, and then they'll add Jesus into that, you know, but it's just, it's all of these different things that are leading and guiding someone's life. And, and, you know, they're not, it's, it was meant to get them off track. This is what I'm trying to say. It was meant to um, take God away the personal relationship that you're supposed to have with God, God should tell you your personality. He should, he, he should tell you the plan for your life. You know, not, not a star sign. Like, I mean, even tarot cards are being um, attached to, you know, makeup these days. If you go into Sephora, you could buy some makeup and you could buy a stack of tarot cards, you know, and read your fortune. I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's, and I like Ecclesiastes, you know, one, uh, one uh, chapter one, verse nine. And it says, um, pull it up here. It says, what has been done will be done again. And what has been done and what has been done is what will be done again. And there is nothing new under the sun. And then Jesus, of course, says, you know, in the, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the time of the coming of the yep. Son of Man. Yep. Yep. Well, as yep. we investigate what the days of Noah were like, mm-hmm. pre-flood, after the flood, um, you know, it starts to be more clear of what kind of days that we're living in. You know, yeah. so, so you know, so in a general sense, you could be like, oh, you know, the all the sin. Well, there's always been all the sin, but what kind of sin? Okay, you you see the the sexual sin, the the mixing, the hybridization, these things that are going on, and you can take any kind of you know angle you want today. You could take medicine. You could take scientists today mixing animal DNA with human DNA. You could take transhumanism. You could take all these different things. You know, this this next evolution of man, this, you know, new age philosophy, all of these things that, you know, whether whether you see it or not, I mean, once you start studying it, it's everywhere. It's on commercials. It's it's in our movies. It's prepping, you know, this this and these ideas come from what we just talked about. And um so 
Does that answer your question, Maggie? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, so some scripture verses I love, you know, that, that kind of um, highlight the importance of being separate. Is 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, touching no unclean thing, and then I will welcome you. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. James 4, 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So, so often we think, you know, we save the world by becoming like it. But in every story in the Bible, that's never happened. It's always happened with when you separate yourself and you're different and you allow God to work through you, you allow God to define you, then people come to your bright light. And then when you really understand what was going on, too, it's helped me interpret the Old Testament in a different way. So, you know, God's gotten a bad rep in the Old Testament, you know, burning this person and smiting these people and doing all these kinds of horrible things. You know, how could a loving God do this? Well, you don't really you don't really know what was going on in the land. You know, some of these civilizations that were taken out weren't even all the way human. And then all the laws and things that he was giving his people was to keep his people separate, to keep from the mixing, to bring forth the pure blood Messiah to redeem mankind, because he didn't come to redeem hybrids. He came to redeem people, uh, real people, human people. And, you know, so when you really understand, it's like, oh, that's why he did this, and that's why he did that. And, and it makes these stories make sense more. And so just for me, that really helped interpret the Old Testament. I can read the Old Testament, and I enjoy the history, and I really appreciate, you know, what God was trying to do for all of us today in this generation. Um, So that's really all that I had. We can, you know, I don't really know if you want to discuss or have questions, but I I have a question. Yeah. So um, do you think, Based off all the evidence that you've pulled up, all the research you've done, right? All the different texts and the Bible, right? That's infallible. Do you believe that America is falling into that Babylon system? Or do you believe that there will be a revival, there will be a redemption, a remnant in America that will turn from their ways? I mean, on top of my head, I would say both. I think that um, in this growing, you know, growing sinful world, this growing Babylon system, you know, all of the people that are in the secret societies, everybody trying to resurrect this, this wisdom, this ancient alchemy and mysticism and wisdom and all these kinds of things, enlightenment, all the things that they're striving for <laughs> is to become God. And it is, it is the platform to which the Antichrist will come. And so this kind of thing will get heavier and heavier, but then God will, will, will be able to work and move in his people who are the remnant, like, like, like you're training up those people that are dedicated to, you know, not walking in between, not a little bit in the world and a little bit out, you know, a little bit out of the world, um, you know, just right on the fence, just maybe getting to heaven, you know, someone who's, you know, really, you know, um, 30 years after Jesus left, he had to write letters to the churches in this area, this same area, through John. And it, Jesus had only been gone 30 years, and he had to tell them, you know, I like this stuff about you, but this concerns me. You know, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. And I wish that you were, you know, either and not the lukewarm. And gives these stark warnings to these people, and this was only 30 years after he had been gone from the earth. So there's always been this issue with backing off and backing down and, and bowing down to the Babylonian system, bowing down to what's going on. And so I just hope that, I mean, it just encouraged me, and I just hope it encourages other people of how they can ask God, you know, what does this look like for me? How does, you know, what is my purpose in this, you know, in this system? What are, what are you trying to do through me on this earth? You know, because God needs people. He, he can only work through man you know, on this earth. So what is your part to play 
and being being the remnant, being the one who goes after him, who stays in there, who wants to be hot, and who wants to do his will, you know, on on the earth. So and good. so, you know, what is your what is your part to play in that? What does that look like for you? That may your walk, your journey may be different than mine, you know, but we're after that same that same goal. We have that same heart's desire. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect what you said because you know Elijah was backed in the corner. They destroyed God's altars. They're killing God's prophets, and he's like, God, they're after my head. And God's like, Don't worry, I have seven thousand that haven't bowed to the knee of Baal. Yes. And that's what that remnant's about. And also, what you also sparked in my mind when you said, being a friend of the world is an enmity against God. But if you look in Romans eight. It says the carnal mind is an enmity against God. What mm. enmity means is enemy. So what you feed yourself worldwide into your mind, it starts to war against God. Yeah. Because you can't have faith there. Do you understand? Mm. Your analytical mind cannot have faith. Right? right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. any questions here? And then to your point too, um, to that point, did, yeah. was it Paul or who said that witchcraft is actually a work of the flesh. And, you know, we thought that that was all spiritual. But what you just said, it's feeding the carnal mind, you know, put, uh, making it an enemy between God. So, therefore, it's, it's, a, it's a fleshly thing. It's not, you know, this super spiritual thing that's it, like it's been made out to be. Wow. And so and that's the reason why there are such harsh laws and commands against that. And as you pointed out earlier, to your point, I mean, God had to tell the Israelites, hey, can you guys stop sacrificing your babies with, you know, to the gods, like these unclean people, the Canaanites and the Ites and all of these different people. Can you just, can you stop doing that? Like, that's not good. And he has these laws about blood. There was a lot of bloodshedding, a lot of covenant, a lot of, you know, we as Westerners, I don't really think we understand the importance of blood covenants. You know, some of these ancient cultures, they knew what blood means. They knew what blood covenants mean. And, you know, it's all about legalization and contracts and covenants and all of these kinds of things. And so, you know, there was laws on against doing some of these these things because they're supposed to be coveted with him. And that's, you know, and so, yeah, there's just so much context, so much clarity, so much digging that you can really do and realize just how important the work that God was trying to do, you know, in that time and, and today. Yeah, no, that makes sense because, you know, like with witchcraft, there's like a bunch of rituals you always have to do. Yeah. You got to light Absolutely. the candles, and you got to cut the, the head off. Involved. <clears throat> right, you got to do the chants, yeah. you got to do, you know, what, what do you got? I have a quick question. I don't know if you know the answer, but you mentioned that scripture about uh, like it's going to be like when Christ comes, it's going to be like Noah's days and Lot's days. Uh, yeah. What's your take on that? Like. I know that it says like Jesus is going to come and it's going to be like a, a regular day. Like people are going to be merry and drinking like in Noah's and Lot's days. But we can do that another time. Oh, we, we have one minute. So we, um, we, can, we can stop it and then record and keep going, right? Yeah. Is that okay with you? Yeah, whatever okay. you guys want to do. Okay. If, if you have information on that. it's the same kind of um it's it's the same threat so you know if the spirits were doing these other things so what i'm trying to say is their plan hasn't changed so you can you can look at the thread from the beginning of history to now and see the same you know the same things pop up the same you know the same actions the same behaviors the same sin and so, which, which leads people to connect that this is really, this is what we're dealing with, this ancient stuff, you know, showing its face now. These things have been here since the beginning of time, and this is what we're dealing with. And, you know, so when you thread history like that, and the behaviors and, and the thing, you know, thing, it, it all kind of connects. Um, so, that's, yeah. that would be my answer to that. Oh, no, it was way earlier. Oh, okay. I, I think God put a fun little stop block in uh, genetic mutation by uh, the only thing a human can reproduce with is another human. Uh, and then 
every time they try to do a genetic mutation, they're unable to reproduce. Mm -hmm. uh, just, it's just not compatible. Yeah. So it is just like just a hybrid, like it is, right? That's what it turns out to. It's just like a liger, right? Like a lion and tiger, they make together, yeah. they can't reproduce. Oh, no, 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 they can't reproduce, for sure. But um, the only thing a human can reproduce with is another natural human. Right. You know? Yeah. Now, like a human can't uh, reproduce with a gorilla. Right. 99.9% right. .9 our DNA, but uh, just the right. way that's wired, it, uh, it doesn't connect. Yeah, so that's why they're probably trying to do all these, you know, scientists are trying to, you know, with these chemicals and mm -hmm. whatever, but, yeah. You know what? Great topic. It was Yay. awesome. You did awesome. very, very well. Thank you very much. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, that was very um, awesome. detailed. That was very, like, interesting. Like I definitely want to know more about yeah. it. Yeah, I know it's like, different. I feel like we barely hit this. All the fallen angel stuff, but my yeah. the, like you said, the main point was just really emphasizing what Abraham came out of, and it just yeah. it just hit me. I was like, oh, that's just so fascinating, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like him sometimes. Just things that are going on in the world, and things that are going on in my my life, you know. Just being that person that stays in there, you know, with God and rejects you know, the culture in this, you know, of the day, uh, but it's just fascinating how it's, we, you know, sometimes we think that things are new, you know, but God's been dealing with this stuff, you know, we're frustrated, you know, like, or like me personally, I'm frustrated with this, or I'm frustrated with that, and it's like God, God's been dealing with that since, <laughs> since Noah's day, you know, and so none of this is, is new to him, it's the same God's, the same junk, the same stuff, and you know, we could just learn from the people that he used and how he, you know, separated them and um, and how their their willingness to, to die to their self, you know, and to go after him and do what he wanted to do and how that changes the world. And so I just thought that that was such a good add-on to, you know, what you were talking about in terms of Abraham and yeah. being the remnant, so. Well, if you don't mind me asking, do you, do you mind leading someone to how they can have a relationship with Jesus? How can they become, you know, in covenant, just like Abraham was in covenant with God? Yeah, yeah. So do you want me to do the salvation prayer? Yeah, or just lead them or to format it however you want. You know, I never like to just say, this is the only way, right? But yeah. just having a surrendered heart, you know, truly <clears throat> repenting, giving that opportunity to whoever's listening out there. Yeah. Well, Jesus says that I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and that no one comes through the Father except by through me. And he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. And, you know, as we learn from this story, he's his truth established the world. His truth established the supernatural. His truth established the natural. And after all of this falls, after all of this goes away, it's his truth that will remain. It's his throne. It's 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 him the one true god that will remain and so that's that's the gift of you know salvation is is buying being bought back into the family that god originally created his original will his original intention was to have this i mean he went down and talked with adam and eve and communed with them every day and so through jesus's obedience to humble himself to die to his will and to only do what the Father told him to do, he went on the cross, and he was able to shed his blood as a legal contract, as a legal transaction, to legally buy you back into God's family, to have that intimacy and that relationship again, like Adam and Eve, and even greater and even better now. And so that's what that invitation means. That's what that prayer means, and that's what you... That's what you're doing when you, you know, invite the Lord, you know, into your life. So, you know, all you have to do is just confess that, Lord, I believe you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus, died on the cross for my sins, and bought me back into your family like you originally, you know, intended. And so I just say I believe that. 
I confess my sin. I lay down my life. I lay down my will. I want what you want. I don't want what I want. I want your plan for my life. You know, the word says that a book was written about you when you, you know, were before you were even in your mother's womb. And so his plan is always going to be best than, than your plan. And so he wants to partner with you and he wants to, you know, work with you. And, you know, that's one of the greatest gifts that we can have on this earth. And that helps us get through, you know, what we're, what we're getting through. And then you get to be a part of the plan. You get to be a part of pushing back the darkness. You get to be at that light. And it's so rewarding. You know, there's a reward system in heaven. And so you can, you know, stand before your father, your creator, and he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so that's, that's what you're doing when you make that decision. So you just say, yes, God, yes to you, yes to your agenda, yes to your will, and yes to what you want for, for my life. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. That was well said. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I think that's it, right? Yep. All right. Well, thank everybody, you. thank you for joining in. Thank you for uh, sharing. That was such a great word, and we're truly blessed by it. So God bless you, and take care. Good night, guys. All right. Bye, guys. See ya.